Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Lois, ever so much for that mammoth reading. Let me make sure you see Sarah about double pay for that one. Great. Uh, Trustee uh, elections on uh, Tuesday. Uh, Let's pray together, shall we? Uh, I'd like us to pray. Uh, I'd like us to give thanks to those who've served us uh, brilliantly well. And... uh, Also, to give thanks for those who we've uh, nominated. It's a vulnerable thing to do, to put your name forward for something. It's an exposing thing, and uh, people's willingness to do that. And to say, yeah, I I think I hear God calling me to serve in this way. I'd like other people to check that out with me. That's a um, uh, uh, an exposing, vulnerable thing to do. And so let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you. Uh, so much for those that have journeyed as our trustees, deacons and church officers over the past three years and uh, many of them the past six years. For Jonathan Barnes and Andy Sago, Simon Koshut, Becky Rutter, John Ducker, Jane and Chris Houston, Andrew Gosden. We are so grateful that they have helped us in the journey that we've been on. We are so grateful for every moment of wisdom and insight, every time of leadership as we've birthed missional communities, as we've seen staff change, as we've seen people come to faith quicker during this period than at any other time previously. I want to thank you for their prayerfulness, for their hearts of service, and for the way they've loved you and loved your people here. And so we ask for those who are nominated at the moment for Jonathan Barnes, John Chalmers, Simon Kosher, Becky Rutter, Graham and Sherry Parnell, Alice Speedy, Matt Holmes. And we ask, Lord God, that you would be with them this week. We ask that they would know that their identity is rooted in you. That they would know that they are yours. And as we work out our purpose together, their sense of uh, child identity in you is absolutely sure and certain. And so with a sense of confidence, we ask your blessing on them and on this process. We pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. And we pray that there would be a sense that through the Spirit of God, we are of a common mind. Pour out your blessing on us, then we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are on week five of our series, Who Do You Think uh, You Are? 
All the podcasts as Claire said are available. You can find them uh, in different places with just perhaps being reminded of where those places are. Uh, if it all seems like a mystery to you, I'd encourage you to have a go and you'll realize that they're quite easily accessible and available. So if you go to the website and you put forward slash who do you think you are or just simply click the link on the main page, you'll have all the themes and the readings that are coming up and all the sermons that have been uh, preached already. The messages will be there Together with all the notes, everything that you see on the screen is also reproduced so that you can use that in your small group, your mission or community, your private devotion, or wherever it might be. New is that you can find these things on church app, and you get a page that looks like that. If you click on the menu, click on my podcast, then there they all are, as if by magic. And uh, you can also find them on iTunes if you search Burlington Audio. You'll get a page like that and everything you need for the last 10 years at least is all there as well. So that should keep you busy if you feel any time a little short change. You can still get them on CDs. Remember those? Uh, the brilliant thing about getting them on CDs is that you can use the CD then as a, a coaster for your coffee. Uh, and so there's a life hack right there. Uh, or perhaps better still, you can pass it on to somebody else. Week five, who do you think you are? As Andrew said, God is creator. We are creator. Are we? For some of us, that will bring a sense of, yes, that's me. For the first time ever, the church is talking my language. I am one of those arty-farty types. I produce stuff, I make stuff, I do things. Give me a washing up bottle and some sticky back plastic and I'm your man, woman, boy or girl. Others of us are coming out in a cold Sweat. Are you having a laugh? Me, creative. For me, the art class at school was ritual humiliation at the taxpayer's expense. It was awful. There was nothing about being in that environment which was going to make me in any way feel good about myself. Any believers in the house? Draw something. You might have asked me to walk on my head for a week. What's that? I don't know what that is. It's the best I can do. The kids would come home just because they know my uh, weaknesses. We have to make a paper mache model of an Egyptian pharaoh by Monday. We would need the home defibrillator to calm me down. We're getting carried away. Let's begin with God. God is endlessly creative. We live in a fabulous world, don't we? It's unbelievable. I'm sounding old and stuff, I know, but I love this time of year. I think you get to a stage in your life when you kind of see how all the seasons fit together rather than it come as a surprise. And uh, I'm beginning to suss it. And there's a beauty about the spring. The birds in the morning right now is amazing. It's not as good as it's going to get, but it's kind of amazing because for a while there's been silence. You open the window, nothing. But now if you open the window at some unearthly hour in the morning, what do you hear? You hear birds tweeting that have turned up from goodness knows where without a passport or any immigration status or any travel ban. They've just arrived because they can and they're there. The evenings are light. You can drive home in the daylight. How cool is that? The little things in life, isn't it? The warmth on your face, the clear air, the flowers bursting with life, the, the nature programs, the wildlife programs. Suddenly, everything is coming alive. And there's the wow factor about the world that God has made. 
a statistic, a sight, a smell, a sound, a moment that takes your breath away. There's the detail factor. Have you ever marveled, and sometimes in those wildlife programs, when we, when we look at things under, uh, under high-intensity magnification, we see a detail to the world that is almost unimaginable. Not only does it all fit together up here somehow, but at the very intricate detail, the design of our DNA, the amazing intricacies that create us the way that we are. And then, of course, there's beauty. The world isn't just functional. The world is beautiful, and we'll come back to that in perhaps a few moments' time. And then, of course, there's the miracle factor. You hold a newborn baby. Baby's crying on cue somewhere. Isn't that amazing? Honestly, isn't it just amazing, a baby? Have you ever looked at a baby and thought, that is absolutely amazing? Of course, we take it all for granted. We get so used to it. And if you haven't felt a bit of the wow for a while, then maybe just for a moment, even as we hear a baby's cry. The sheer wonder of it all. So it seems strange then to me, and every now and again I come to a theme or to a sermon or to a talk, and you realize that not much has been said about it. So, so there are some things where you, you're preaching a sermon and everybody said everything there possibly is to say about it a million times and everybody's been there and done that. But you come to this, and perhaps not so much. What do I mean? I mean this. If creating is such a mega part of who God is, you know, at the end of the day, God could have just put us in a little box like we do with pet rabbits, couldn't he? A little hutch and said, live in that. But he gave us this amazing world. And somehow, what was God saying? Creativity is, is just part of who he is. It's part of the way he just wants things to be. If that be true, and we are made in God's image then surely we must be creative people. And all the right brain people that paint and create and run barefoot through fields of gold and lay on their backs and count the stars are going, yes! And all the left brain people who sit in silence and add up numbers and create spreadsheets are going, oh. Right brain people create music and poetry and song and art and beauty. Left brain people do something else, adding and subtracting and stuff. I'm a left-brain person, so hands up before you feel too uh, marginalized in this moment. Left-brain people, you rock. We're all made in his image. Therefore, we are all creative beings. Creativity runs in our blood. We all have an irresistible impulse to create and produce order and beauty. When a painter brings forth beauty from his or her paint palette, it's that same inner creativity as when an accountant brings order on a spreadsheet to a mass of data. Or when someone creates beauty in a home or around a meal table, or words are crafted onto a page that communicate life and truth to another. In all of those moments, in all of its diversity, we are creative. We are creators, small c, living in the light on, and, <clears throat> excuse me, we are all, we are all living as reflectors of God himself in whose image we've been created. We in those moments are engaged in displaying his likeness. Which means 
that spreadsheets and pallets all become sacred when we do something with them that expresses the mark that God has placed on us. And that's where I'd like us to start. You see, if spreadsheets and pallets and blogs and dinner tables and decorations and, 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 and are all opportunities where we create, we bring order out of what otherwise would be chaos, we are reflecting something of God's essence. And therefore, in that sense, everything is sacred. It says in Genesis, right at the beginning, that God brought beauty out of chaos. The Living Bible says the earth was shapeless, a chaotic mass. Every time we take some chaos and attempt to bring some order or beauty to it, we are about God's creative purpose. So every time you take a report that's difficult and confusing and doesn't quite make sense, and you edit it, and you rework it, and you repackage it so that that information becomes clear, you create some framework and beauty so that others can understand, you are about God's creative purpose. When the kitchen that's been cooked in looks like Armageddon at the end of the day, and you go in there and you tie a rope to yourself so someone can pull you out just in case you get sucked in, and you reorder the place, you are about God's creative purpose. The ideas in your business that are random, it would seem, and unconnected, and suddenly as you think and you reflect and you pray, you have that leadership moment when you can see how that relates to that and that relates to that, and therefore this, and you join those together and you present them, you've brought some order, some beauty out of what otherwise was just random chaotic ideas in your mind, and there is a beauty about it. The washing basket has limited function. The washing basket should say on the side of it, just get things close. Because you don't need to get it in, do you? Just get it in the area is good enough. Is it? No. Why? Because there's some irresistible urge to create some order out of the chaos. And so someone, somewhere as if by magic, scoops up all those clothes, puts them momentarily in the basket just to make use of the basket, takes them out ten seconds later into the washing machine. And it's a sacred moment. Because in some small way, we are reenacting our design. We are living out, reflecting back the image of God who created beauty, order, out of chaos. And so tidying the kids' bedroom, or even teaching the kids to tidy their own bedroom, becomes a godly, if not impossible, task. This is kingdom. This is image-bearing. This is holy, this matters. Think of something you do that is routine, that is mundane, but is actually sacred because you are bringing, that should say, order and beauty out of chaos. Go. Think of something you do that's routine, mundane, that maybe you hate to do right now. It's a chore, it's a angst, it's a... Uh. But what if in that moment... Something sacred is happening. You are reflecting something of the design. Go. So take that, whatever's in your mind for a moment. The the spreadsheets you grapple with, the clothes that you grapple with, the ideas, whatever your context is. And, and, And just in a moment, just lay down the angst. 
Because those moments are gifts to us. They are opportunities for us to reflect who God is. Suddenly, they're just not random tasks that have to be done. They're not simply frustrations that others haven't done them. But they are opportunities for us to live in the image of our Creator. They become sacred moments. They take on a meaning that's bigger than themselves. And we believe that God fills those moments with his spirit, that we meet him there. And so we ask for a renewed perspective, renewed vitality, even renewed creativity in what has become an all too familiar and mundane task. Help us, we pray, for we recommit ourselves to doing that task, not just because it needs to be done, but doing that task because it brings honor and glory to God. Amen. And so it takes on a new, a different dimension. Eat and drink, do whatever you do, as if for the glory of God. And so we do it well. We do it with a sense of excellence. We do it with a, with a sense of, of pride, a sense of purpose. And, and we allow who we are to come forward in those moments. If then we are creative, everything is sacred, but we all have a canvas or a fresh page to create on. Every day, there is a fresh opportunity for us to bring the creative person within us to the fore in all its different guises and perspectives. How many of you love a new notebook? Oh, loads of you. OCD type people. No, but love the crisp, clean moment of a new notebook. It's a real struggle to know what to put on that first page, is it not? First mistake. Every day, because God's mercy is new every day, we don't always believe it or accept it, but every day becomes a new notebook beginning. Isn't that what we really believe? That every, you're not sure, every day becomes a new start. There is a sense in which there is a page for us, a life page, for us to create something on. It can feel like it's not a new page. The temptation each day is to think, well, I'm only a product of my circumstances. I'm trapped by my situation. All I can do is keep going. No. In the image of God the Creator... We are called to live creative lives, to go and be fruitful, and to subdue the earth. There is an implication in that, that we, in God's image, have the ability to step into a new day and to make something of it. It does not need to make us. We can deal with it rather than allow it and its circumstances to deal with us. Fill the earth and subdue it. And so as we go into each new day, reflecting the image of God the Creator, let's open our eyes to how we can create within that day, rather than simply be pushed back and forth by the circumstances of it. So I think we're tempted so often to think that our circumstances have got us trapped. Uh, and probably the worst scenario of those is when we're suffering, when we're in pain, when we're hurting, when we're, we feel locked in because things are, are pressing in uh, against us. I can't step into a new day. I do not have a blank page because of all this suffering and pain that I carry with me. Is it not true 
that people's most creative, most fruitful works have often come out of pain and suffering. I'm really worried about Adele now that she's got married. What on earth is she going to write about now? I'm in a stable relationship. Hello? Doesn't quite work. The depth of what she's written has come out of her experience. She's created something arguably beautiful out of something that's been painful and a disadvantage to her. And think about, who are the people that start recovery groups? Who are the people that live to see the transformation of others? Who are the people that stand with those who feel like they have no rights and are oppressed? So often, those who've stood there themselves, and they create something beautiful out of the suffering that they've faced. And in a sense, that type of creating is such a reflection of who God is. When you think about the cross and all that happened, uh, out of the worst moment, the greatest suffering, something beautiful was being created out of it. And so we are creative, and here each day, a fresh page on which us to create. So suspend reality maybe just for a moment, and let's ask this question. If you have a fresh page, what would you like to put on it? If you suspend your reality just for a moment and think for this next day, this next week, this month, this next season, if you could see it as a, as a, a new notebook, what, what would you, what's in your heart that you would wish to put on that page? What has God placed within you that he wants to draw out of you? Are you with me? Anybody? Just pause for a moment. What is it? What is it that begins to rise? What are the possibilities, the opportunities? What would we love to see happen? What would we long to see created in our lives? School days, where you used to have your exercise book, and your first page would say, this book belongs to. And I think I'll put that on, my, on a first page. This is mine. It's mine. I didn't even like doing that, because I'd messed it up by then. So I mean, my writing was like a dog's breakfast. Although apparently... People with scruffy writing are really... Oh, see, you know, I didn't even have to say it. It's remarkable. I thought that was something I'd made up in my head, but it's actually out there. If we are creative, then thirdly, we need to begin to uncover our creativity. Now, some of you are immediately thinking of something you know is true about you, but for whatever reason has been suppressed ignored, haven't had time for it, can't be bothered with it anymore, that season of my life is over, you with me? Whatever that might be. And in that moment, the Spirit just now, this moment right now, the Holy Spirit is gently saying, you know that which I've placed within you that you've lost because of family, circumstance, trauma, suffering, opportunity, time, money, ambition, whatever it is, that which I've placed in you, uh, I, I, I want to bring it out of you again. Uh, and maybe, maybe each of us needs help. Maybe needs, each of us needs some help to get back in touch with some of the creative things that God has placed within us. Uh, back to that question, in a way, uh, that we were asking some moments ago. What, what would you do if you had a blank page? Or to ask it a, a, another way, if you were to dare to dream, what, what delights you? What would you love to see? What, what stirs you? What fires you up? What gets you going? And this is not about left brain and right brain. This is about all of us. 
in, in different ways, we all exhibit this same desire to create, to produce, to, to bring purposefully something uh, together. It's the way God's made us uh, to be. Or equally, what makes you angry? What, what do you say? I can't stand this anymore. This has got to change. This shouldn't be like this. If no one else will do something about it, then I'll do something about it because it shouldn't be this way. Either way, there's a passion within us and if it feels like there's no passion within us right now, I promise you it's just got lost in everything. It's not that it's not there. And maybe part of the journey, part of the, the thing that comes out of this morning is just to go, actually, if God's placed some creative stuff in me, then I need to find that again because that's the way God's made me to be. Or maybe you have found what it is, but your attitude towards it has got lost And one of the ways I think we can tell that our attitude towards it has got lost is that we put the word just in front of it. I'm just a mum. I mean, that's the most ridiculous oxymoron in the world. Or I'm just whatever it is. And somehow, instead of embracing, we're just going, it's just, it's nothing, it's not, and and we're, we're, we're putting it aside, we're pushing it down, just. There's a story that I think is true, If it isn't true, then it should be true. And if it should be true, then it could be true. So I may as well tell it like it's true, even though I don't know if it's true. Bus driver, just a bus driver. And he'd come to the end of his, um, uh, he'd come to the end of his route at the end of the day when the bus was going to go on to the terminus or, is that where you get off? Anyway, no, you're going to get off at the final stop and then the the, the bus was going to, all the passengers were going to disembark, and then the driver would take the bus, uh, uh, and this is how I heard the story told, over the bridge, the other side of the river, where the bus would be parked up overnight. And at the final stop, every night, the bus driver would say to the passengers, what do you want to do with all your problems? I'm inviting you to leave those problems on this bus, and I'll take the bus over to the other side for just one night. Just a bus driver? He's a counsellor, he's a psychologist, he's a trained mentor, liberator. Giving people that moment, that window to lay their burdens down. How beautiful is that? And it reminded me in that story that, that, that we can diminish what we do by going just, or we can embrace what we do and say, how can I be the creative person God's made me to be with what I have? Because Jesus told a story uh, about using what you've got. He says there's three guys and we've given this guy some stuff and that guy went off and he did some great stuff and more stuff came back. And this other guy, he had some stuff and he went off and he used that stuff and more stuff came back. And then there was another guy, he had some stuff and he went and he dug it a hole and he put his stuff in the ground. Why did he do that? What does it say? When he, when he come, brings... Well, he buried in the ground and he brings it back to his master. He says, I did it because I was, because I was afraid. How many times have we found ourselves not bursting with what God has given us because we are afraid? Where does fear stop us? Where is fear stopping me stepping into expressing something that God has given me? Fear can be a real killer. We can see opportunities perhaps in our business, but fear stops us stepping into it. We have a worship song that we're pretty sure would be better than 10,000 reasons going on in our hearts, but we fear sharing it, and so it never gets shared. 
We have a blog that we've written, but we fear pressing publish because of what others might say. And so a book never gets written. I've got a sermon in my heart, but I fear that if I was to speak it, people would think that's rubbish. And so I won't. What is it where fear holds you down? And in these moments today, the Spirit of God will be saying, hey, don't be afraid. That's the most frequent refrain in the whole Bible, isn't it? Don't be afraid. It almost punctuates every part of the Scriptures. And what what does it mean that the Bible should say again and again, don't be afraid? Do you know what it means? Number one, you will be afraid. It wouldn't say it again and again if you weren't going to be afraid. The Christian life is a journey from one massive fear to the next. Hello? Because at every point, the Bible says, don't be afraid. Fight the fear that you are facing right now and do it anyway. Push through the fear. And the second thing, second reason that the Bible says don't be afraid is actually don't be afraid. Not just that you will be afraid, but that you needn't be afraid and you shouldn't be afraid. And the other one that grabs us around the throat, if it's not fear, is something very closely related to it. What is it? If fear isn't stopping you, what will stop you? Another F, failure, failure, failure. I don't like failing, do you? What happens if you fail? Nothing, nothing. You see, I'm loved by the King of Kings, and then I fail. Do you know what? I'm still loved by the King of Kings. I'm a child of God, and I mess that up. Do you know what? I am still a child of God. Failure becomes in our hearts and in our minds because we feed on other people's opinions for our identity, becomes a massive thing in our lives. People act as if the world will fall apart when we fail, and when we fail, nothing happens. In fact, something does happen. When we fail, we've created a stepping stone towards learning. Another word? Stepping stone towards, not the learning's wrong, let's add to it, come on. Success. Who has succeeded without first failing? How many publishers did J.K. Rowling take the book of a weird kid that was clearly going nowhere called Harry Potter? I think it was 20 or something ridiculous. That will never catch on, they said. (laughs) Everybody who is successful in something will talk about how first they failed at it. They struggled at it. They needed to work harder at it. They will talk about how an opportunity slammed them in the face, how someone else put them down, how they thought perhaps they'd never make it. Isn't that the truth in your life? That the things where you have eventually succeeded are because you've gone on successive stepping stones of failure. And so we need to grab hold of fear And we need to grab hold of failure and we need to say we're not going to allow those things to speak so much into our identity that we're not going to do the things that God's placed in our hearts and in our lives. What are you not doing because fear or failure is holding on to you? What are you not doing because you're afraid? It's time to get started. It's time to get started. And you know what you do to get started? You do one little step. Teeny, 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 teeny little step. We think about step five and step eight and step 107. And we think in our minds, it's the way we naturally work, I think. Oh, I don't know how step 107 will work out, so I better not start step one. But actually, every moving towards what God has for us starts with one little step. And you know, by the time you get to step 107, so much has changed. 107 doesn't make sense in the way that you were talking about. What did Jesus say to Peter, who was in the boat? He didn't talk about swimming. 
And he didn't talk about where they might go or what they might do. He just said, just step out. Just step out. And and you will know if you've read the scriptures that God is incredibly annoying. He only gives us information usually for one step. And that's because he knows that we will paralyze ourselves with a sense of fear and failure if we start thinking about step 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. What's the one small step that you can take that brings the creativity that God has placed within you into the circumstances where you are? Start small, one step. And finally, if we are creative, we're reminded of the blessing of beauty. Beauty is a powerful, powerful thing in our world and in our lives. Beauty does something to us that otherwise wouldn't happen. Beauty is transformative. It's why we walk. It's why we get out in nature. It's why we clean and tidy and order things. It's why we listen to music. It's why we read things that have been well written. God's attention to beauty is astounding. I I don't understand why God didn't create the world so at the end of the day the sun just switched itself off. That would be a lot more efficient. Why waste time with a sunrise and a sunset? Unless the beauty matters. Are you with me? You see, the beauty matters. And God's created a world where at every turn he says, look, beauty matters. So maybe we need to tune in, slow down, find the beauty in the detail, and be givers into that beauty. Take moments to feed into the detail and have lives that reflect God's beauty, the subtle detail that you can miss. You can miss seeing it and you can miss creating it. Attention to detail. So if you were going to make something a little more beautiful this week, what will it be? What will it be? Where could you make something just a little bit more beautiful? And you're going to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make my garden a bit more beautiful. That's a, that's, a, that's a sacred thing. You're expressing something of what God's created within you. But then you have this tinge about it. Well, it's quite a selfish thing to make my garden beautiful. Well, it is if you don't share it. So what does God do? He makes this beautiful world and he shares it. He's open with it. He's inviting with it. He's welcoming with it. And so what is it that we're going to make beautiful? And we're going to allow others to come into contact, to appreciate, to be part of that beauty. And of course... Finally, where we began this morning, this whole opportunity every day to create in the image of the Creator reminds us that we are part of something because this world, everything that's happening within it, in kingdom terms, is a signpost to the new, to the recreation. Every time someone is blessed, every, every time something is reordered, every, every um, uh, moment of healing, every moment of truth is a signpost to the time when all will be blessed and all will be true and all will be recreated. So even in the washing of the dishes, we are acting out a reality that God is at work in this messed up, chaotic world creating beauty. And one day, all will be beautiful again. And as we step in to that song of the universe, that purpose of our lives, there's a richness and a depth that perhaps or certainly can't be found elsewhere. Let's pray together. And so we're reminded in these moments that everything is sacred. Everything is a reflection of being in the image of God. When I create beauty, when I create order, 
I am reflecting the image of God that's within me. Thank you that the mundane, the routine of life finds its place in a bigger story, a greater story, a bigger reality. And that I have a fresh page today. I can fill and subdue the earth. That's my mandate as a child of God. However painful and difficult, however pressing the circumstances of yesterday, I can bring something beautiful to bear. A kind word, a touch, a song, a story, a helping hand. We can create something different from what is. Thank you for the visions and dreams and plans that you place within us. Thank you for that ability for us to take fresh pages and to put something amazing on them. Think of our missional communities and the way uh, that there was, there was nothing, nothing there and, and people with a vision created something that didn't previously exist to the glory of God. And so in our lives each day we can create things for your glory and for your purpose. And where we've heard you speaking to us about creativity that we've suppressed, that we've lost, that's got hidden away, rekindle, reignite, reinfuse, restore our love and our passion for things that we once had. And we agree together that fear will not stop us, that failure will not stop us, and we long to be people that create beauty, because beauty transforms. Beauty points to the one who is ultimately all beautiful. And so we love you and we serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
to spend a few moments in God's presence. Feel free to uh, stand or sit as you, as you choose. Just spend these moments before him, leaning in, listening to what he would say to us. Prophecy team had a picture uh, earlier on of a, uh, of a lion uh, with a butterfly uh, sat on the lion's nose, kind of basking in creation. I don't know how that speaks to you, but there's a sense in which it can be all hard and serious, and yet God has created a world that's full of life and fun and vitality, a world of power and gentleness, a world of majesty and intricate detail. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And we know that the tongue is a very powerful muscle, causes huge destruction. And often we think about, we need to be careful about what we say about others, but a gentle reminder from Father God, that sometimes we need to be careful about how we speak about ourselves. We can speak ourselves down. It's not that sin isn't real. It's not that there isn't wrong that it needs dealing with. But with themes like today, we can rubbish ourselves. We can, we can believe that we've got nothing to offer. There are these people with great creativity, and then there's me. That's not true. We're different. We need each other. We need the creativity that rests in all of us. And we're fear. And failures have gripped us. And we use our, our tongues to speak of that failure as if it's fatal. And that fear as if it's all controlling. We're reminded that we can speak to fear and failure in the name of Jesus. And as children of God, sons and daughters of the living King, we will not let fear or failure create our identity. And so we receive the promises of Scripture that we will become in him like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when the heat comes, its leaves are always green, has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Lord, that's your word over our lives, that we would produce fruit and green leaves, that we would be well watered, that there would be a beauty about our lives that would be transforming in and around where you've placed us. And so we pray for one another. We pray for those whose situations and circumstances are crowding in, are overwhelming. Continue to pray for the Thurlow family following Tim's father's death. Continue to pray for the Simpson family and future daughter-in-law Alice in particular and Tony Elizabeth's son David. For the Frost family, for Pat and David 
for Carrie, for Tom and Kim, for Cyril and Joan Norman, for Angie Joy. We're asking, Father God, that they would know today the depths of your presence, that they would know the transformation that you bring simply by being there. When you filled that room with those fear-filled disciples after your resurrection, so fill their rooms, so fill their lives. Speak peace, speak healing, speak hope, speak opportunity, and hem them in on every side, Lord, we pray. And in the quietness, maybe we whisper our own names that we brought on our own hearts. Father God, would you be at work? Would you be tangibly present in the lives of people that we whisper in this moment? And we pray for those that have been on the parenting course this morning. We're asking, Lord, that uh, you would fan into flame the gift of parenthood, the task of parenting in all those that have reflected and listened and pondered and will go seeking to put into practice, to put into action something that they've heard. Lord, we are asking for homes across this church community that are full of your truth and your light and your love and your presence. And so we ask a deep sense of blessing. Conviction, not condemnation. Comfort, not a sense of being overwhelmed. Be at work in our homes, with our children, with our young people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so our final hymn, let's stand together.